This episode of the Golf Gaming Podcast and the Sports Gaming Podcast and I was presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger at WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com to start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100 at sleeper.com slash SGP. And make sure to check out our relaunch merch store where you can get all your favorite SGPN gear. Just go to store.sportsgamingpodcast.com. All right, DJs, welcome back to the Golf Gambling Podcast. Uh, I'm Steve Shermer. Uh, you might have forgotten that I'm a part of the Golf Gambling Podcast. I haven't been here a couple weeks. Uh, I've had some stuff going on off the course. Uh, maybe I can get into it a little, little later date. But uh, I'm here, and I'm actually recording this on July 1st, uh, the Friday before 4th of July weekend. Um, if you're listening to this, you're probably listening to this on uh the actual 4th of July, happy 4th of July, by the way. I hope you're enjoying a nice patriotic day uh, as we talk about a non-American golf tournament. So sit back, relax, um, and I'll take you through the field. I'll break down the golf course, and I'll give you some betting strategies. Uh, this is going to be a unique show because this is usually a European Tour event. There's a lot of European Tour guys that you probably have never heard of. Uh, I'll try and point you in the right direction as far as what general type of golfer you should look for and then with some of those european tour guys where you can find that information so why don't we start with the field first so like i just mentioned this is usually a european tour uh event but uh in an effort to kind of you know fight off live uh which by the way i'm recording this uh during live portland uh i'll probably have some more takes about this i'd like to talk about this more with capper at some point but uh uh, I'm, I think I'm officially, for now, out on Liv. Uh, I, I think those Wednesday press conferences kind of just... I, 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 oh, man, I'm getting sidetracked here. All right, brief Liv talk. So, high level, there are a lot of things, conceptually, I don't mind about Liv. Primarily because I was a big proponent of the PGL, and these guys ripped it off. And I, I guess I've been giving Liv a little bit of a free pass because it's in its infant stages. They are going to continue to bring in golfers. What we're seeing today is not what's going to be in the future, but I, I've been romanticizing the idea of PGL eventually coming into either the PGA tour or live. Uh, it basically was just a new golf infrastructure. And one of the things I failed to differentiate between PGL and live, not just the Saudi stuff was, PGL was actually changing the structure of golf. It did not. I don't think they were going to give these guys big guaranteed contracts like Liv is doing. And so they, at least at its roots, well, yes, there's a lot of money that they could have, you know, made from this thing. It seemed like there was more competitiveness like with that versus Liv where I, I just, I don't, listening to these guys on Wednesday, I don't have faith that they're, ever gonna get to that point because they already gave these guys all the cash they did they did that up front so you know i mean it, it's unfortunate because i think this is just going to splinter golf uh even more we see it this week where we have this live event and we have a complete crap pj tour event which by the way 
Uh, I'm not all excited about the changes that the PGA Tour is making. I don't think it's enough. Uh, I think it's actually going to create more weekends like we're going to see this week, where if we're playing every single week from January to August, there's just going to be more and more tournaments that just have too many guys in the field that don't really belong there. So uh, I guess this is a lo- you know long winded way of saying that I'm kind of just out on both <laughs> at this point. Um, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess my change in stance is um, I'm, I, I shouldn't give live the benefit of the doubt that they're ever going to actually get to where I think they should get to. Um, so that's that. Um, anyways, back to the field uh, this week. Scottish Open. So like I said, this is a co-sanctioned PGA Tour event uh, with the European Tour. So just eyeballing the field, I'd say there's probably about 60% PGA Tour regulars uh, in the field and about 40% DP World Tour guys. Um, Of the PGA Tour guys in this field, um, several of them had played this tournament before, and a lot of them were big names. Uh, You know, guys who played the Renaissance Club before, Justin Thomas, John Rahm. Xander Shoffley, uh, all those guys finished inside the top 10 last year. Same thing with Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, Wills Alex Horris, uh, Callum Morikawa, uh, Sam Burns, who did okay here last year, Scotty Scheffler. He also did pretty well here too. Uh, and then there's some other guys who are making their debut at the Renaissance Club. Uh, there's Patrick Cantlay, Cam Smith, Victor Hovland, and Hideki Matsuyama. Um, just I'll describe the golf course a little later. I think the guys who have seen this place are going to have a big edge. I don't think this is a place where you're just going to walk onto the property um, first time and actually do well. So if you're going to, so I, if you're breaking ties, a lot of these guys are going to be priced around the same in DFS this week. Uh, Go towards the guys that have actually played this place before. Um, And then about 40% of the field is going to be DP world tour regulars. And that's going to be a bit of a problem this week. Like I mentioned, there's not any stats. Um, or a lot of strokes gain data maintained on DP World Tour guys um, that you find in like a PG Tour database. I mean, you can go look for it, but it's kind of cumbersome to get. Um, and a lot of the PG Tour players this week are going to be very popular just because there's more stats available for them. Um, but it, you can't avoid the DP World Tour guys this week. I mean, the last three years of the Scottish Open, two of which had pretty good fields with a lot of established PGA Tour stars. All of them were won by regular DP World Tour members. So, like like I said, this isn't something you can just avoid. You know, bury your head in the sand. You're going to have to take some risks. You're going to have to bet on some of these guys. Some of those DP World Tour guys, you're going to have to, you know, uh, put in your DFS lineups. Maybe there's going to be some good value for a top 40, top 30, top 20 finish on some of them as well. Um, You have to do your due due diligence on them this week. And... I'll try and, you know, be your Sherpa as far as what types of those players you want to get and where you can find that data. While we take a quick break, let's talk about WinBet. So make sure you get down on WinBet's $50 win $200 promotion where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Uh, Bet $500 on sports or a casino before July 31st, 2022, and you get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at the Encore Beach Club. That includes a two-night stay at Wynn Resort for you and your entire league. And multiple entries are allowed, too. So, you know, go nuts, guys. Uh, there's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. 
to get started. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's break down this golf course. And for a lot of you, this is going to be the first time you probably have tried to handicap this place or bet on it. Um, last year, uh, Boston Capper and I actually decided we were going to skip the John Deere and cover the Scottish Open because it was a better field at the time. We also knew that it was going to be rolled into the PG Tour eventually. Why not get a little bit of a head start? So, uh, why not talk the golf course real quick and the Scottish Open in general? So, the Scottish Open, yeah, it, it didn't have a, its own tournament until 1972. Um, and then it played two years in 72 and 73, including in 73, it played in the, at St. Andrews. But after the 1973, uh, Scottish open at St. Andrews, they couldn't find, um, uh, television partners. So it's the first edition of it ceased to exist. It was revived in 1986 with new sponsors and it's, it's bounced around in a couple of places since then. Um, it's been at Glen Eagles, Carnoustie, Luck Lawman, Ro- Royal Aberdeen, Castle Stewart. Uh, and then in 2019, it found a permanent home. Well, not permanent. It's probably going to move at some other point, but it found a home for now at the Renaissance Club in North Berwick, which is a very like uh, very rich his has that area has a very rich history for golf. Uh, you got Murfield, you have North Berwick, um, you have Golan Links as well, and then you have the Renaissance Club. So the Renaissance Club is a fairly new golf course in general. Um, up until 2005, it was a thousand acre piece of property owned by the Duke of Hamilton. And it set, it, it was a piece of property that sat right next to Murfield, which has hosted 16 open championships. And, um, for years, the Duke of Hamilton just refused to sell because it, it and he, and he was getting offers. It's, it's a great piece of property for golf. And, you know, you got great golf courses around it. And yet here's this untouched land that, you know, would be prime for, a golf resort and they refused to sell. Well, they finally relented and made the property available. And a guy named Jerry Savardi, a Jacksonville businessman. Uh, I think I asked Capper last year if he knew him. I don't think he did, uh, but he was dying to build a world-class golf facility of his own. And he made the Duke of Hamilton offer. He couldn't refuse and he purchased the land, but here was the one problem with it. Um, the land he purchased Part of it was environmentally protected. It was the sand dunes by um, the uh, Firth of Forth, which is basically a fancy word of saying it's by the bay. And in order to be really a true Lynx golf course, a big characteristic of it is be by the water. Well, they didn't have water access because they couldn't build down there. So for six years, um, you know, so Savari brought in Tom Doak, who's a great golf architect, did a great job constructing the golf course, um, you know, inland. But they always had dreams of building some holes down by the coastline on the sand dunes because it really did have fantastic views of the water. Um, finally, in 2011, they got approval to build down there, and they ended up building three new holes. They built um, the the like a, I think it was a par three, uh, maybe a short par four, ninth, uh, the tenth, which plays along the coast, and the eleventh plays on top of sand dune overlooking the bay. Uh, so in my article this week, which is probably going to be out by now, posted a couple other videos um, of the Renaissance Golf Club. One is just kind of a, a video just kind of summarizing what I said with some nice cool drone videos. Another one's from Golf Digest, um, actually a late add to the column. They did a hole-by-hole uh, 
drone video with a narr- you know, with a narration to it um, on YouTube. Put that in there. Watch it. I think it's 12 minutes. Typically, whenever they post these, I put it in my article because they just do a great job summarizing it. Um, I guess the only thing that I can probably add, you know, that you might want to know about right now is while it's 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 not a true links golf course in like in its basic like form. Um, I mean, there's only three holes that are really play by the water. That's a big characteristic of it. There's also really um, thick rough on the golf course. You know, that's unlikes, you know, like you go to some other places where, you know, there's fescue, like, but it's kind of wispy. You can still get a club on it. It's not all that penalizing. This place actually has some penal rough to it. And I mean, the fairways are pretty wide. You know, there's, you know, there's some, you know, undulations and bumps to it. But overall, like, I mean, it's, it's pretty wide landing zones. But a difference between this place and some other Scottish golf courses is there's really thick rough. And it's not that far off the fairway either. You can definitely find yourself in it. Um, you know, I just mentioned too that while the fairways are pretty wide in general, um, the golf course received a little bit of criticism from uh, some pros is too easy. I mean, these guys really ripped up the place in 2019. Uh, very easy scoring conditions. I think Rory uh, went to, I think when he was talking about the differences in the PGA Tour and the European Tour, he actually pointed this golf course out as an example of how the PGA Tour just plays harder golf courses, which, <laughs> I mean, look at some of the scores they've been put up in some of these places. It's, it's not really true. But, um, you know, so the owners of the club, I think they took it to heart. I mean, first off, the, the response to it was, well, the weather was just benign. When there's no wind and it's soft, I mean, any golf course is going to play easy. And that's what happened in 2018. Uh, in 2020, they got a bunch of wind and cold and rain. That was because it was playing in October. In 2021, uh, I, I'm not sure if it was added after the tournament or before the tournament, I'm pretty sure it was before the tournament, just based on some of the, how the leader were kind of shook out, but they ended up toughening it up off the tee. Uh, I noticed, cause I charted this golf course last year. I, when I went back to look at it, I found new bunkers and some new mounds off the tee, like really close to the landing zones too. Uh, kind of shrunk up the fairways a bit. Maybe gave you guys a little bit, some pause of just mindlessly pulling driver everywhere. Um, it definitely seems like, on some holes, um, now, you know, unfortunately, they're on the Google image, uh, Earth image, there's a giant cloud sitting over basically the back half of their property. But on the front part of the property, I was able to see just some different things that they've added to the golf course and maybe toughen up off the tee. And I, I think it affected the play a little bit, as I'll talk about uh, later. Um, one other note I want to mention, too, before we take our uh, ad break is these are slow greens. That is not unusual for Scottish Lynx golf, um, but they're very undulated. And it's not necessarily a criticism that, like I, I looked at a lot of reviews of the golf course for you know my scouting report, and it's not necessarily a criticism of it, but it's noted. Uh, these are very severely sloped greens. That's not something you see. I mean, you can see it certain Scottish golf course, but not all of them. Um, they also have like a lot of like severe runoffs off the green too, like either to pot bunkers or to low line collection areas. So while the greens are really big there, they're going to play smaller, especially based on where they want to put the pins because there's some small shelves they are going to hit too. If you hit the wrong side of a slope, it's going to run off the green or run, you know, well, you know, you know, like 50 feet, 
you know, below the hole or something. Um, but there's still pretty generous openings in the front of the green if you want to bounce the ball up to it. Just that if you're a little offline, it's they're a little more repellent in nature than you might see at some other places uh, in Scotland. So, uh, again, I recommend you guys watch the video that I posted in, uh, in my article this week. It just gives you just a general feel and idea of what these guys are kind of up to this week. So, um, why don't we take another break and then we'll start breaking down some bang strategies. All right, let's talk about Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there, just like me. And it's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can make money on Sleeper too by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple, super easy to do. So first, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, you can pick the number of points in basketball or hits in baseball or goals in soccer. Then you choose the amount of money you want to win uh, in the contest, if you pick correctly, you win anywhere up from 10, uh, 2x to 20x your, uh, the money you put in. And the main reason I'm excited about Over Under and Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. Insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download the Sleeper app now to play their new Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. You're on your phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash SGP and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. Join our squad and get the 100% deposit deposit match from sleeper.com slash SGP. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms in use for details. All right, let's get into bang strategies. This is really what you guys are here for. Um, and you're going to probably have to rely on guys like me and Andy Lack and others like that who really dive into this place because there is, you can't just mindlessly use um, one of these models this week. Um, it's a, it's a, like I mentioned, it's a previously a European tour event. They do not maintain shot link data. There's no tournament shot strokes gain readily available on some of those sites. I have it because I did the hard work for you guys. Um, but Especially with a field too, where only a little over half of it is going to be PG Tour guys, and the other half are basically a bunch of unknowns who probably are going to play well this week. You can't avoid some of the European Tour guys. So, um, I have some stuff that I looked at. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different as far as what I usually do the betting strategies, but I, I, I think it's going to be helpful. So, why don't you get some nuts and bolts of the golf course first? So, um, let's look at how they set the golf course up last year. So in 2021, the Renaissance Club played just a little over 7,300 yards. It can play up to 7,450 or so. Um, I think just because of weather concerns, um, they set up a little bit of shorter. But you know, kind of like we saw at Brooklyn a couple weeks ago, just because it's it looks shorter on the scorecard, it it plays a little longer in that. So it's par 71. You have four par fives and five par threes. Three of the four par fives play over 575 yards. But uh, you know the yard is going to really depend on the wind. Um, I think the prevailing wind is east west. So if you're looking at one of those wind finder things or you're looking at the golf course, keep that in mind. Um, you know, I think just off the top of my head, uh, that's gonna be a crosswind for a lot of holes. Um, you know, just in general. But you know, you'll get some downwind, you'll get some downwind shots and uh you'll get some you know shots in your face too. But basically what I'm saying is the wind is gonna basically affect the uh the the yards of those holes. Um, there's three par threes that play over 20 yards. Uh, the other two play under 170, but it's what gives this golf course its length is the par fours. 
So five of the power fours play over 450 yards and four of which play over 475. So while, you know, it's only 7,300 yards, the golf plays, golfers plays much longer than advertised. I mean, just to give you an idea, let's make this a par 72 and convert one of the par threes to, you know, a 450 yard hole. Um, basically at that point, it's going to play over 7,500 yards. So, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that gives you an idea that this place is definitely longer than what it seems on the scorecard. In terms of agronomy, uh, it's got the standard grass that you see in every Scottish golf course. It's got fescue. Uh, greens are going to run slow. Uh, just in general, they run slow on Scottish Lynx golf courses because there's usually a lot of wind concerns, and so they want to grow the grass up a little higher. Uh, to create a little more friction so it doesn't, uh, you know, the ball doesn't blow all over the place. Um, and they also have to slow down the greens too, especially at this place because of how undulated it is. So um, the greens are cut no less than five millimeters in height. And to give you an idea uh, what that means, basically most greens on the PJ Tour are cut to about 0.1 inches in length. That's about two and a half millimeters. So this is basically double the grass height. Um, that's going to really slow down the greens a lot. And a lot of these PJ Tour guys, they go over here and they're not really used to some of these slower green speeds. You know, maybe that's why some of these European tour players have done a little better, you know, fair pretty well, even though there's been some really good Peter tour stars that played the Scottish open in the past. So, um, so that's the nuts and bolts of it. Now let's get to actually types of guys you want to look for. And this would be where I would break down the relative skill set chart right now, as I'm recording this, it's not available. Um, so I kind of just went ahead and just created my own. Basically, this is what I did. Um, so before I do that, actually, let's talk about the European tour players and where to maybe get your data. So where I got that stuff this week is two places. Number one, the European tour does have strokes gain data on their website. It just is listed just categorically. Like you can't find it per tournament. It's very limited what they actually show you, but they do have it. So that's where I got some of my information as far as guys, what they were doing coming into the Scottish Open. Uh, second, you can find strokes gain data on the Scottish Open on Data Golf. The only problem is it's not available for download and it's not the true strokes gain number. Basically, what they present you is well, first, how they estimate strokes gain is because they don't have access to the basically the whole by hell shot link. They basically estimate it round by round based on how these numbers change for these guys as they play. It's a very long and tedious process. I applaud them for even doing it and providing some visibility. But what I don't like what they do after that is they adjust it for uh, strength of field, which I, I don't like. Sometimes you get some really crazy numbers in there that aren't really what these guys actually did. It's the best we got, though, and... It gives you just a basic understanding of what these guys did, you know, even if the number isn't really true. So with that said, I looked at from 2019 to 2021, the top 15 ties on the leaderboard, basically just who did well that week. And I first started with looking at either if these guys are European tour players, how they did for the year, because Unlike the PGA Tour website, you can't just filter based on how they did heading into the tournament. I use that as approximation of, okay, this is what these, these guys basically were. How they did the strokes gain um, metric that year. 
heading basically the year they played. For the PG Tour guys, I was able to actually identify it based on them leading up. So, and then I broke it down based on how they did tee to green, off the tee approach, around the green putting. And I also looked at uh, how these guys were, how far they hit it off the tee that year and how accurate they were. Basically, this is trying to recreate what you want to look for for a relative skill set chart, which I love using. Um, so we see some differences based on the years. So in 2019, 2021, generally pretty easy scoring conditions. From what I remember, I know 2019 really benign. 2021, I think there was only one day of like rain and wind. Despite what my co-host has to say, uh, you know, whenever he brings up Lucas Herbert, it wasn't that tough of conditions last year in, uh, at the Scottish Open. So we tended to see guys in those tournaments in 2019, 2021 that were pretty good teetering. Basically, and that's across both tours. Um, you know, I know that looking at the 2021 leaderboard, just some uh, European tour guys, uh, Minwoo Lee was 17th in strokes game, T to green. Uh, Thomas Dietrich was 55th. Those two guys were actually in the playoff. Minwoo Lee won. Uh, Johannes Veerman was 31st in strokes game, T to green on the European tour. Wade Ormsby was 40th. Uh, Richard Bland was 26th. So a lot of guys on the European tour were pretty good T to green. And then you had a bunch of guys, you know, PG Tour stars who were just really good. You know, Matthew Fitzpatrick lost in the playoff here. John Ron finished in the top 10. Justin Thomas, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Xander. Really efficient guys to eat a green. Um, so, and you saw it in 2019 as well with some easier scoring conditions. Uh, Bern Wiesberger won the tournament. And he was 34th on the European Tour show skating T to green. Uh, Andrew Beef Johnson, remember him? Uh, he was 12th in Strokes King T Green. He finished inside the top 10. Uh, Henrik Stenson and Rafa Cabrera Bayo actually had dual status and qualified for both. Um, they were top 40 on the on the European tour that year in Strokes Game T to Green. Uh, Stenson was 20th on the PG Tour. Cabrera Bayo was 60th. Justin Thomas again finished inside the top 10 that year. He was second. Terrell Hatton had dual status. He was seventh on the European tour, 30th. So I guess the point is. In really calm conditions, the more efficient ball strikers did really well. Now, in 2020, when it was really crappy weather conditions and they got a worse field because it was in October and it was COVID, it was definitely more of a mixed bag. Uh, you know, I mean, you had some guys like Aaron Rye, Robert Rock, uh, Robert McIntyre, Victor Perez. Those guys all ranked really highly on Strokes Game Team Green that season. But then you got some guys like Marcus Shinhole, Mark Warren, Cal Samuja, David Horsey, Hotan Lee. All those guys are sub 100. Uh, even Tommy Fleetwood that year on the PGA Tour in 2020 didn't play very well. Uh, I think he had an adjustment with COVID, and it just it it didn't go well for him that season. He was 92nd stroking TD green that season. Ian Poulter was top uh, 10 in that tournament. He was 114th. I think what happened in that tournament was the weather just kind of created this. It didn't matter. Everybody was struggling. And when everybody struggles, it shrinks the gap between you know, like the really good players and the bad players. The elite guys are still going to be okay because they can handle it, but like the really good ones end up getting down in the muck. So, um, so in general, though, if we get and a lot of this analysis is based on weather, like how we're going to get, it's going to change between now and next Thursday. If it's good weather, and by good weather I mean like, you know, it's not really that they you don't know, not get a whole lot of rain and. The wind stays under 30 because what the mistake I made last year for Royal St. George was I saw some days of 20, 25 mile per hour winds and kind of freaked out. Well, these golf courses are built to withstand 20, 25 mile per hour sustained winds. Like it doesn't matter. It's 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 when you get above 30, 
that's when things start breaking on these golf courses. So um, if we get decent weather, if as long as you target guys like you're a pretty efficient tee to green, like you do most tournaments, you should be pretty good. Now, where are they efficient tee to green? That's changed over the years. Let's start off the tee. Uh, in 2019, basically your performance off the tee heading into the Scottish Open or just what you did overall that year just did not matter at all. Uh, Bern Wieser won the tournament. He was 114 in the strokes game off the tee that year. Uh, he beat Beja and Hebert in a playoff. He was 117. He had some guys who were sub-160 on the on the European tour there, like Nino Bertasio and Andrea Pravan, two Italian guys. Um, they did not hit the ball very well off the tee that year. Basically, the average of strokes gain off the tee for ranking every guy in the top 15 in 2019 was 86. So it, it just didn't seem like it mattered. Maybe it was just really easy for everybody because it was calm conditions, really wide fairways. They hadn't added some of these bunkers and mounds that you see there. Maybe it was just really easy. Um, it got a little more difficult, and some guys were a little better off the tee in 2020. Um, did a little better. Uh, but in 2021, after they added a lot of these challenges off the tee, it was basically just, it was a lot of really good drivers. Uh, so Minwoo Lee was 16th in strokes off the tee last year on the European Tour. Matthew Fitzpatrick was 13th. Thomas Dutcher was 26th. All those guys were in the playoff. You had John Rahm, who was second in strokes off the tee last year, or heading into the Scottish Open. You had Justin Thomas, Andrew Shoffley, Scotty Scheffler. All those guys are really good drivers. And only one guy inside the top 15 in last year's Scottish Open finished outside the top 100. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, I think, and I think just as we add more PGA Tour guys who generally are pretty good off the tee to this tournament, I think they're going to do a little better. And I think some of the changes they made to the golf course is going to impact it a little bit. Uh, as far as if you want to target distance or accuracy, there were more guys who, more longer hitters who did pretty well at the Renaissance Club uh, last year. But I think that just might have been just a mix of who was there. What has been consistent over the years, though, is you have to have a little bit of semblance of control off the tee. Um, generally speaking, guys who at least were inside like the top 100 in either uh, uh, tour they were in, and driving actually, those are most of the guys into a top 15. Uh, and I kind of said last year or earlier that, you know, A, there's actually penal rough. Um, that if you just spray it all over the place, it's going to go badly for you. And they have, it does seem like they've added some certain features of the golf course to make it a little tougher off the tee, at least last year. So off the tee, I think, is something you're going to want to look at this year just based on how the golf course kind of evolved over the last couple of years. Um, if you're going to value distance or accuracy, I think you want to value more guys who are accurate, but just in general, if you get, get a guy like who's has pretty good combination of length and accuracy, you should be fine. Um, approach play. This has been a mixed bag too. And this has been kind of all over the map. Um, 2019, because it was such easy scoring conditions of benign, like, and everybody was hitting fairways, best iron players just rose to the top. That the 2018 was littered with really good iron players from both tours. Uh, in 2020, because of the weather, it was a little bit more of a crapshoot. Uh, although that one still had some solid iron players, like you know Victor Perez was 12th in the European Tour, which was going to approach. David Horsey was 21st. Robert Rock was 31st. But I mean, like Aaron Rye won the tournament 
and he was 84th in strokes gain approach that year. Tommy Fleetwood was dreadful with his irons in 2020. He still made the playoff too. Again, it kind of seemed like that the weather conditions just kind of made things a crapshoot. 2021, I mean, you have your good iron players in that top 15. You got John Rahm, you got Justin Thomas, you got Xander Shoffley. Uh, but Minwoo Lee was 111th in strokes gain uh, approach on the European Tour last year, and he won this tournament. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick was 103rd. Thomas Uchi was 96th. So did not seem like it was a prerequisite. Um, I'll get we'll, – why don't we put a bookmark in this discussion about iron play for how they actually performed in the tournament because it's, it's a little bit inconsistent based on some of these findings. So just in general, how these guys are doing coming in, did not see seem like iron play was all that important. Scrambling definitely was not important. Uh, that one is absolutely a mixed bag. Uh, and what I was surprised too was I would I was expecting scrambling and around the green performance in 2019, 2021, because the weather conditions were a little better to not really matter all that much. I thought it was gonna matter more in 2020. It didn't. A lot of really bad scramblers and guys who just don't perform well around the green typically did pretty well in this tournament. Is it because maybe they just are more familiar with Scottish golf and are better at it? I don't know. Uh, it could also be that because the greenside surrounds at the Renaissance Club are really difficult. There's a lot of, you know, pop bunkers that you don't want to be into. It, this, the greens are severely sloped. The ball's going to run everywhere. It's, it's going to be hard to chip back into a slow green like that. It's, it might level the playing field a little bit. So, um, around the guy, if you were trying to target really good scramblers, like that was part of your model, like it, it didn't work out for you basically in any year. Um, and then putting, it, it does seem like decent putters have fared pretty well at the sky show. I mean, you got Matthew Fitzpatrick who's finished inside the top 15 twice in this tournament. Um, you have, you know, like Ian Poulter has done really well. He's a great putter. Um, you know, you got Xander, you got, you know, John Rahm. Those are really decent putters. Scotty Scheffler, that same thing too. Um, back going back to 2019, you had Andrew Putnam who finished inside the top 10. All he does is basically putt. He was really good here. You had Matthew Fitzpatrick again, the number one putter on the European tour. He did well. Eric Van Royen was a good putter back then. And then some of these guys, these European tour players, who's back in 2019, uh, you know, Romain Rungas, Nino Bertasio, Andrea Pavan, all those guys ranked pretty highly in stroke game putting. And that, and that continued pretty much all the way until 2021. Um, you could chalk that up is because these greens are pretty slow and they're pretty severely undulated. They're difficult to putt on. Maybe if you just have a little bit more skills in your arsenal with putting, that might help you. So high level conclusion based on like profiles of guys that just in a vacuum you want to target, which can change because of the weather. Uh, we'll talk about that more next week. Seems like off the tee is mattering more and more at this tournament. Um, I think you want to use that a lot. And if you're going to break a tie, I would lean more towards guys that have pretty good control off the tee rather than just distance. Um, I mean, iron plays, we'll table that for later. Uh, I think you have to have a pretty good be a pretty good putter too, just based on the nature of some of these greens. That is something just as far as a profile player coming in, I noticed the most. Um, so why don't we take another break and then we'll start getting to how these guys actually played uh, in the tournament. 
So first, let's talk about the SGPN merch store. So we re we have relaunched our SGPN merch store with a bunch of good stuff. I was going through there yesterday, and like they got a, a lot of really good stuff from Golf Gambling Pockets: hats, T-shirts, polos, you name it. So you know they got tons of awesome gear. So go to store.com/store.sportsgamblingpockets.com um, to get all the gear you want. You know, be part of the team at store.sportsgamblingpockets.com. Uh, and let's talk about IP Vanish. So did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Well, ad security might as well give away all your private data, hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IP Vanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. And that means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling to the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IPVanish on limited devices without sacrificing your speed, either on computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off the yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. It's super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button. You're instantly protected. You won't even know what's on. So stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with a brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com slash SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 7% savings. That's IPVanish.com slash SGP. All right. Let's finish this off with how these guys actually did in the tournament. So I kind of laid out the casework that, you know, it seems like the most important features of a profile of player you wanted to look for was off the team putting. Well, did that actually translate to how they did? Were they able to separate themselves on the leaderboard more? Um, the answer is kind of. Uh, with putting, they did. A lot, of, and, and I posted I, I, I posted a graph or chart of that's color-coded of how all the guys in the top 15 at each Scottish Open performed in the short skin category. You're going to take a look at high-level conclusions. The guys who putted the best in basically all three tournaments um, separate themselves more. Kind of for the reason I talked about earlier. I mean, you know, Min Matthew Fitzpatrick gained over eight strokes putting. Um, Ian Poulter gained over eight. Uh, basically, at the, last year, the top five or six guys in well over a stroke putting. Um, the one thing that also surprised me, too, is... I mentioned earlier, like the profile of a player, like with their irons is a little dodgy. Well, based on how you did in the tournament, hitting your irons, that was able to separate yourself a lot too, which makes it seem like iron play is really important. It's really important in the tournament, but trying to find those guys, it hasn't been all that easy to do, which frustrates the hell out of me because that's how, that's how we handicap tournaments. We look at past performance, try to predict the future. If you can't find, if a bunch of guys, if it's if basically in the tournament, your success is driven by how you hit the ball with your irons, but the profile of guys that do it are a little dodgy and inconsistent, that's not a good recipe for doing this stuff. Um, off the tee, though, how I mentioned earlier, at least your in-tournament performance has been more and more important ever since the 2018 uh, uh, Scottish Open. So, uh, of the, all the guys, and I'll give you an example. So in 2019, of all the guys finished inside the top 15 of about the 18 or so there, I count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
eight guys who lost strokes off the tee in that tournament. Uh, Bern Wiesberger was field average. He gained basically nothing. Um, Hamrick Stenson gained basically nothing. Matthew Fitzpatrick gained away a .1 per round. So in that tournament, it was consistent. You did not have to be a very good driver coming in. And it didn't matter all that much in that tournament how you basically did off the tee. Probably means it was pretty easy for everybody. Um, 2020, it became a little more important, but you still see some guys just didn't really do very well uh, off the tee. 2021, though, that is one where you saw more dominant drivers in general do really well here. Lucas Herbert, long hitter, gains a lot of strokes off the tee. He finished inside the top 15. John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Xander. Jack Sr. is a pretty good driver. Scotty Scheffler. Those guys gained a lot of strokes off the tee, and, and they did pretty well for themselves. Now, top of the leaderboard, though, Min will leave, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Thomas Dietrich. Those guys basically didn't do anything off the tee that week. Um, but still, uh, the profile of those guys, they all were really good coming in. So I think that's consistent with what we talked about earlier, where off the tee performance has gotten more important as they've added some more challenges. Um, but the iron play too, that's, that's separate everybody as well. So I guess just taking all of this into conclusion, what am I going to look for this week? I want solid balanced drivers who have a good combination of length and accuracy. And if I'm going to break it high, I'm going to lean towards more of like an accurate one or a guy who just hits basically doesn't get in too much trouble where he's hacking out for a second. I want good putters, which is dangerous because it's a volatile stat, but I just, I think it just shows that both in tournament, that's how you're able to separate yourself. And a lot of really good putters, just your general profile did well. at These Scottish opens at the Renaissance club. I want that too. And look, I'm never going to ignore iron play. I think it's a little bit more of a luxury this week because I think it's, I'm not going to like totally exclude somebody if they're maybe not quite as strong as some other, their peers around them. But as shown up like the, when I've been talking about this, and it's shown in my column, um, there's a definitely a mixed bag of guys. You didn't have to basically you didn't have to be an elite iron player heading in. You had to be elite during the tournament. So basically, you got to show, I guess, some upside with your irons, the ability to do really well. And that's it. Also, could be as well that um, it could be so. I guess not penal, but Maybe your off the tee performance makes can actually drive how you hit the ball with your irons as well, at least like relative to the field. Like maybe it's a double penalty if you hit a bad drive and then that's going to bleed into your strokes gain approach numbers as well. That might be the case as well. Um, but I'm never going to knock somebody for, you know, bad, like good iron play. And if you're a bad iron player, I mean, you, you definitely have to be. Probably accurate and possess a really good putter. Around the green, I'm just going to ignore. It didn't matter in the tournament. It didn't seem to matter in a profile of player that I, you wanted to look at that actually did well that week anyways. I don't care. And I that, that might be against the grain of like what you generally would think for Scottish show, like links opens and everything like that because I know that's definitely something when you get to the Open Championship in a couple weeks, like a lot of really good scramblers tend to do pretty well there. For whatever reason, it hasn't really shown up in the leaderboards here. So I'm just going to keep going with that. And then lastly, I went and estimated proximity data. Uh, again, because there's no shot link data 
for this tournament. I had to basically use Google Earth to do it. Um, so take this with a grain of salt. This can be affected by weather or just how aggressive you want to be off the tee. Um, this is what I came up with. So I think guys are going to have about two shots per round, less than 100 yards, including one of them that's going to be a drivable par uh, four. Only one shot between 100 and 125. Three shots between 125 and 150. Four shots between 150 and 175. Two shots between 175 and 200. And six shots 200 plus. Those are mostly the par fives and the par threes. Um, like I said earlier, it plays longer than what uh, the scorecard like just might indicate with just 7,300 yards or so if they set it up that way. Um, and just looking at some of the like the guys who have done well here, a lot of them are just really premium, like just in general, pretty good like mid to long iron players, at least last year too. So I'm looking at got I'm looking at shots of 150 plus. The problem with that though is that's only applicable to 60% of the field because they don't keep proximity data on the European tours as well. But if you're trying to break ties, um between two PG tour players, or if you just want to make a case for somebody that might be useful information. All right. That's it. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope again, I hope you're having a very good 4th of July. Uh, we'll be back uh, with a double episode on Tuesday. Uh, we're not recording anything on Monday. We're going to celebrate the holiday just like you are uh, Tuesday. We're going to have DFS and betting back to back. And yeah, it'll be a good show. And then we'll get that in the can and then it'll be on to the open championship so thanks for listening happy july 4th and uh let's go make some money